Okay, so here I am. This is Dominic from D'Angelo from WrestleZone.com. I am with KSWA's VIP Sean Blanchard. He will be on December 1st going up against the NWA heavyweight champion Nick Aldis. And the is this maybe you can give me a little background in it. How long ago has it been since the NWA title has come through Pittsburgh? Or has it been? Oh my god. Um at the Civic Arena, it was probably 87, 1987, Crockett Promotions came through. And I was probably the maybe the Bunkhouse Stampede with Dusty and, and, wow. and Bob in the cage. I could be wrong, but that, that's the last time I can remember them being on a, on a set, you know, that large. Definitely the Civic Arena. I remember hearing the stories, Dusty came out and said that Vince gave them the Civic Arena because they thought they were going to fail. They actually turned away people. Really? Yeah. Wow. Dusty won the boot in the cage against Bubba. I still remember being there. You were there? Yeah, I was there for Holy that. Holy smokes. I always went to the arena or, or the convention center when NWA came to time. Now, yeah, give us a little background about like what your, uh, how you came into becoming a wrestling fan and into wrestling. Uh, it was, was it a big influence just being in Pittsburgh for that matter? And uh, yeah, like around 1980, I was five years old, uh, and, and my dad used to watch wrestling, so I sit down and watch wrestling with him. And then around 1981, when we got cable, I turned on TBS, and I see a blonde hair, <laughs> loud, obnoxious guy with the NWA belt, and it was Ric Flair. And I, from right there, I just fell in love with it, and I told my dad that day I'm going to become a wrestler. He's like, oh, you're full of shit. <laughs> and I was like, no, Dad, I'm gonna be a wrestler. And you know, apparently, like, okay, whatever, whatever you say. But yeah, 1981, that's the day I, I knew that I wanted to become a wrestler. Now, was your dad into wrestling at all, or did it just kind of yes. happen? Okay, yeah, so my, he was my dad was into wrestling, grew up on studio wrestling. Mm -hmm. And uh, of course, like everybody in Pittsburgh, big Bruno fan sure, sure. and all that. The only wrestler me and my dad agreed on was being fans of the Mass Superstar. Oh, Other nice. than that, we were at opposite ends of, of the spectrum. Were you more of a field favorite kind of guy? Like, those always, always love the bad guys. Yeah, yeah. Always love the bad guys. Them good guys are shits. <laughs> <laughs> They're so, no good. So, like, um, as you grew up, like, more so when you got older, did you, I mean, you kept in touch, like, in tune with NWA and watched that. Did you watch a lot of WAF, too, did you find yourself, or were you just more gravitated to... You know, I watched it all. Uh -huh. When I was a little kid, on Saturday mornings, wrestling started at 7 a.m. on TBS, NWA, and then it alternated. It used to be on 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, and then that was the NWA and, and WWF at the time. And then there was a space in between, and then a 4 o'clock world-class wrestling came on at 4 o'clock nice. on Channel 22, and then... There was there was a uh, five o'clock on WWR was WWF and then from six to eight o'clock was TBS, you know the Saturday uh, studio show, and then from there from eight o'clock on the ten there was a break, and then you go up on the higher channels, like you know you used to have you used to have Mid South Wrestling you used to be able to pick up. Uh, Memphis wrestling, Florida wrestling. You were you were lucky to find that stuff. So, so Saturday you, was full of wrestling. Sure. And I was going up, and I was hooked. All right. So let's talk about how you got into the actual sport of wrestling. Uh, who brought you in there, or how'd you kind of make hay? Just so to speak. Well, a friend of mine got in a wrestling business, and um, he always knew that I I wanted to actually get in the in wrestling business too. So he went up and trained. Uh, where do you train at? USCW style content. What area was that? That's uh, Cannonsburg. Cannonsburg. He went up and trained in Cannonsburg. Okay. Is that like a little wrestling school up there? So he had a show. We, we, Lou and I went to the show and watched him do his first match, and like right there, we were hooked. So I, I said, I, we want to do this. So we actually went up to the school and, tra and trained up there. And that's, that's how I got, that's how I did it and, and, uh, into the business. We trained about almost a year before we even did a show. Yeah. And that's what's missing nowadays. A lot of guys aren't trained properly. They, you know, to understand the business. 
And uh, but yeah, we a year. And my first match was in front of 600 people of a Burger Town High School. And I'm like, man, this is great. I thought every show was going to be like that. But then after that first show, you started working like different territories and the crowds weren't used to you. And that that humbles you real quick. Yeah. So, yeah, that humbles you real quick. And uh, it keeps you hungry. For sure. Because you always want to go back to that 600 or more. And you're always, yeah, vision for that. And that's what I tell all these young kids nowadays. I'm like, it can end like that. Mm -hmm. So you always got to work hard. Absolutely, yeah. So, yeah, but that, that's that's how I got broken into the business, training up there at, at Sal Conte's place. And, uh, it's it, I, I caught on to it pretty quick. I think that's just my love and drive for the business. Sure. That, that, that made me do that. And, uh, now, it's fun training. How was the development of getting your uh, persona or finding who you were as a wrestler? Did you, did you t- pick and take a lot of inspirations? And how did you base it off of your own personality where it's just be like, all right, this is this is Sean Blanchard, this is what I'm doing? Well, a lot of it has to do, I I joke around, you know, but sometimes I'm serious. I tell everybody I'm a moody prick. Yeah. And I just, I just extend that. Yeah. <laughs> but, like, like, growing up, I had five wrestlers that I, I just, when I sat in front of a TV, I just was so intrigued. Flair, Rick Flair, Harley Race, Blackjack Mulligan, Dick Murdoch, and Wyoming McDaniels. Mm-hmm. And I try to like bring their styles together in, in, a, in a match when I when I wrestle when I when I work. One of my biggest things is you know I I, I love Dick Murdoch, and once you get in the business and you talk to the legends, everybody says that Dick Murdoch could have been NWA World Heavyweight Champion. He just he just didn't take shit serious. Sure. He was, but Dick Murdoch could out comedy you. He could out serious you. He could out anything you. It's just like his attitude didn't have the promoter's approval to win the NWA belt. Right. But I think too, a lot of that, like, kind of not necessarily having like a laissez-faire attitude, but having that kind of loosened up attitude where you're just like, all right, this is, you know, this is my business, but I love doing it. Yeah. And, you know, kind of fuck everything else. Where it's just like, all right. Yeah. That yeah. makes you more of a personality and gets you more over. Yeah, it does. It does. And it, it I think that exemplifies in today's world too of wrestling, where everybody's so regimented or stuck in their lane. Yeah. Particularly like with you know WWE or whatever maybe mm-hmm. so. yeah but yeah tell me about um getting into like was it pretty hard getting like hitting those first bumps and kind of getting all used to all that and uh then the, honestly it, it didn't it didn't bother me at all yeah because i, I just loved everything i just loved uh, i was i'm blessed i'm blessed from you know just doing everything the bumps didn't hurt like the body hurt. yeah well the bumps did hurt sure but it was worth it you know, you know what I'm saying? It was, it was definitely worth it. And you learn the right way. It's, it's the, the pain, you, you got to deal with the pain for something that you love to do. Yeah. And you get, yeah, you get used to it after. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Sure. A, a calluses. Yeah, right. <laughs> right? So, um, now transitioning into that, uh, where did, how did the KSWA get started and branch out into, like, you were a big part of, you know, the beginning, I think, of it, right? Correct? Yeah. Going into it, and uh, with Bobby O, and do you want to elaborate on that a little bit more? Yeah. Uh, well, Lou, Lou Martin and I were wrestling for another organization, and uh, our contracts were up. And this new promotion started up, which is KSWA, and they signed up. And our first show was for the, uh, a, a guy that got shot on, in Thanksgiving in Garfield, uh, Sidney Barlow. Yeah, Kevin Barlow was his nephew. Really? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. As a matter of fact, Kevin Barlow was at the show, and he was the VIP's biggest fan. So yeah, we'll definitely take that. Hey, why the hell not? Um, but that, yeah, that was the first show for the KSWA, and uh, and the rest is history as far as the KSWA Around goes. what time was that time? Uh, February 18th, 2000. Oh, okay. So there you got the, the whole date. Now KSWA has a lot of like captivating characters. Yes. And uh, from all different walks of the independent wrestling scene too. Very true. So uh, one of the names is like Lord Zoltan who's had his experience with yes. you know throughout the you know wrestling in WWE and wherever it may else be. Yeah. Uh, you have guys like T Ranchla, but then you have like younger talent too. Um, tell me about how maybe a lot of those 
personalities came to be involved, and then like how KSWA grows from that with like newer talent and where that's going to go. Well, there's definitely a, a mixture of, uh, of of different eras in, in wrestling in Pittsburgh, and it, it's always good to have the veterans a part of KSWA because it helps the growth mm-hmm. and helps to teach the younger guys. But they, you know, they basically contact us, right? And Lou's here. They can speak for this too. Yeah, you can Yeah. So, you know, we've we've had uh, over the years we've had pretty exclusive roster of guys that were mainly KSWA roster guys. But you know, as time goes on, you have to evolve with it. So, you know, you have to bring in younger talent, either through training or guys who are already in the. Wrestling, indie wrestling scene in the area, you know. So we've been fortunate to bring in a good mix of veterans, but also, you know, younger guys who are kind of cutting their teeth and really kind of, you know, build their build their careers through wrestling, you know, in KSWA and, and other promotions in the area. But you know, there's always the locker room is from our from our perspective, just a good mix of. Old vets, you know, older vets that have been around to be able to pass on experiences they have, and then younger guys coming up through the ranks and learning. No from clicks. The vets. Yeah. No the, clicks. Yeah. The, the locker room is very, very cohesive unit. You know, there's not four guys sitting in the corner talking to themselves and not talking to anybody else. Everybody gets along. Really and if well. you have that, I imagine if you have those types of personalities that come in for a short amount of time, you're like, all right, they're not going to last. Sure. Yeah. You know, and, and, you know, from our perspective, like when we started, T. Ranchula, he was at the top of the game. Lord Zoltan, top of the game. Sure, yeah. Denny Gregory, Bubba. Yeah. Those are guys, when we were coming up to the ranks, we really, really, you know, had established names in the area. And then, you know, later on down the road, for us to be able to bring them on, you know, under the KSWA banner, you know, it was a good coup, you know, because, you know, you hear good, you hear bad about a certain guy, but until you form your own opinion and you're around that person, yeah. you know. Um, you know it, a lot what, of the times, you hear all that speculation. You, you that, really do. That goes from, like, especially with social media nowadays, too, yeah. like, word of mouth goes like crazy. Sure. You already have these immediate impressions. Sure. Where a lot of the times... You gotta kind of beat the person. You get right. your own assessment. You know, I mean, before Lord Zoltan was with us, you've heard good and bad. Same with Tarantula. Same with Dennis Gregor. But when you're around these guys, you're like, you don't see. You know, personally, you don't see where you know that comes from. Right. Those, those rumors, those stories come from. And I think it all just goes on Jealousy. your own personal experience too. Yeah. You know, I mean. If you treat a guy a certain way, they're going to treat you with the same respect. Oh, totally. You know? Yeah, so, it goes hand in hand. But if you're going to treat them without the respect that they're due, then you know, you're not going to form a, a nice relationship and bond with those guys. Now, who would you say, as far as some talent goes, like, because you do have a lot of young talent involved with KSD, right? Who would you say really assimilated pretty quickly and caught on to, like, that kind of dynamic and that camaraderie with the KSWA, like, uh, for lack of better terms, universe. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right? So. Chris Cash and Shane, Shane Starr. Yeah, right away from day one. I mean, first first time those guys came in for training, I mean, they, they brought a, a different dynamic than we had at that time. Yeah, yeah. Um, which was in that they were young, you know, you know, wet behind the ears, so to speak. You know, it was hungry. Very, yeah, very hungry, and it was, like, nice to see. Yeah. Then, you know, then as time goes on, you got... You know, Matt McGraw and Yenza, you know, they, they have come into the fold, and a David Lawless and a Harley T. Morris and Zach Hunter. So, you know, you've got guys, you know, that, that have been with us for a long time, like the King Dale Douglas, mm-hmm. you know, that's been, you know, a good soldier throughout our, you know, our almost 20 years now. But then, you know, as time goes on, you start sprinkling new guys. New guys. And, and uh, you know, and you know right away if they're going to be a good fit. You, know, you can tell pretty quickly if a guy's going to be a good fit in a locker room with a crowd. Okay, yeah, yeah. And you just know, you know, there's some guys that have come and gone quickly, but there's other guys who've lasted just because they're good fits for the organization. And it's pretty fascinating, too, because I, I go there typically once a month when I'm able to, and seeing how the crowd atmosphere goes and feeds off of some of the personalities, certain, like Mish Napier's a 
a perfect example yeah, of that. Yeah. And uh, re- most recently, kind of like Brohemoth has yeah. kind of caught on, sure, almost from an organic standpoint where he was, you know. And, and, and Mitch has been that guy that's been, you know, he, he cut his teeth with us. He's, he trained. And, and I mean, you see where he is now. You know, he was at the top of the game there. Yeah, you know, for, for over, a year. over a year. Yeah. And, and you know, like I said, you bring in another young young guys like Brohemoth, Yenza, Matt McCarthy, and then all of a sudden, they're they're crowd favorites overnight. Yeah. You know, and it just it's, happens. It's like just, that. Yeah. It's mm-hmm. just it's just that connection with the crowd. Evolve. They yeah, all yeah, evolve. Yeah. It's like you know. When those good guys come in, as soon as they make that connection, you know, it's it's, it's instantaneous. Yeah. And how, how quickly the fans are behind them. It, now, let's talk about the venues, too, because when I first started going, it was, uh, help me out, what, what's the other, what's the place that we used to, they used to have? Teamster Temple. The Teamster Temple. So, that's where, but you guys initially started at Spears, correct? Yeah, it was, it was old, Before the old Moose Hall. It was the old, old Moose Lawrence Hall. Moose. Uh-huh. Uh, we started up at the VFW in Brookfield. Right oh, really? Shore save up there. No way. That was our original venue. Yeah. Oh, wow, okay. Yeah. <laughs> so our first show was at Peabody High School, but, you know, then from there we went to the VFW in Bloomfield, and we were up there, what, five years probably? Five years, yeah. Okay. And then, um, and then you know, somebody from that was on the board at the Moose said, hey, we'd like you guys to come here, and things were starting to kind of dwindle down up in, up at the up yeah. in Bloomfield. Yeah. So we thought, all right, we, we better be proactive and, and make a move here. Try to, yeah, try to find more ground somewhere. Yeah, we were, we were, you know, when it was the Moose, we were there for a good 11 years. And then, um, you know, unfortunately they closed and we, had to, you know, there was a scramble of trying to find a new venue and talk to the people at the Teamsters and they, you know, they were looking for different things, you know, to rent the hall and whatnot. Yeah. So that, that became our venue for a good three, four years. And, you know, things happened. New board got in there, wanted to change direction. Um, and then at, between that point, when the moose closing and new owners of the Spirit came in, and um, you know, we had the conversation with them, and they were looking for something. They wanted wrestling back, and they were. And our, our first conversation was that was like we were waiting for you to come to us. Really? Yeah, and, and ask you know, and ask to come back. So um, it was just an easy transition from leaving the Teamsters. And, to be honest, that was always our home, regardless of being sure. spirit, whatever the name was. That yeah. was that, that was our home, mm-hmm. you know. And then going back there and kind of building the the crowd, that, you know, it was a it was a, a good mix of our old, you know, steady right. crowd that's followed us for years. But then there was this influx of new fans that are, that were coming in. You know, the, the influx of new fans that came in because of spirit being the place it was. was yeah. just phenomenal like we instantaneously seen our crowds jump up because there was just this new breath of life I guess so to well, speak that's what I was kind of getting at too is because we were talking about um, I remember just you know I started off going I moved to Pittsburgh in 2015 and that's when you guys were in the team okay so uh that was my first experience of it. So when you transitioned to spirit, back to spirit, that was like my new experience for that. Yeah. And from my perspective, it's like, wow, you have family showing up to these things. Yeah. And then you also have a bunch of like Lawrenceville hipsters yeah. hanging out and drinking PBRs. And so it's a really unique atmosphere yeah. in that regard to have all those mixtures of like kind of yeah. it's, it's, it's really like a melting pot of Pittsburgh right? sure, in yeah. one room in one room in one room it's yeah. really cool you, like you said it's the families with their kids you yeah. know the parents with their kids and you got like kind of the, the hipstery type crowd but then you know then you got your old school wrestling fans yeah and just and then the people who followed you for years all in one room it's, it's just like a cool mix of, Absolutely. Of, of different people yeah so now going into that Let's talk about KSWA Fan Fest, where that's kind of your guys' WrestleMania, pretty much, right? In December, it's always at the end of the year here. And so, uh, and you usually have some pretty big acts come in through there. Uh, Why don't uh, either you or Sean can take the the lead with this and talk about, like, different people that you've gone and come come through and uh, how that kind of comes about. Well, for me... The first guy we ever had in for a fan fest was Bill Eady, Demolition Axe. And that goes back to what I was talking about because he was also the mass superstar. Right. And uh, I wrestled him numerous times out of West Virginia. 
and it was uh, it was always a thrill to get in the ring with him. And he was the first big act on a fan fest show. And he tied with Chris Cash against Louie and myself, mm-hmm. and we had a pretty good pretty good match. And then throughout the years, it has evolved and got bigger and bigger from anywhere from like we had Bruno San Martino, Dominic Danucci. Uh, George Steele, which is another one of my favorites. That's a great one. Yeah, yeah. I love George. I miss him to death. I um, bet, yeah. And we had... Um, Probably the most pleasant surprise we had was Hillbilly Jim. Yes. I heard about Hillbilly Jim. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, so that year, it was, you know, down to the wire, you know, who's going to be that special guest, and uh, we probably got Hillbilly Jim probably a few weeks before FanFest that year. And, you know, you, you never know how fans are going to react or how that person's going to be. From the initial conversation to him showing up at the venue, it was just wonderful from, from the get-go. Yeah. I mean, and, and the way he gravitated to the fans was just something we've never seen before. In fact, like, you know, we were talking and we're like, where, where the heck's Hillbilly Jim at? All of a sudden you see him in the crowd, he's drinking, he's doing jello shots, and yeah. drinking beer, and it was like... Okay, but it was just this this moment that you know just you, you know I, I, our photographer Howard Kernan has caught a great picture of him just in the middle of, of that pit. Yeah, just in the middle of drinking. I think he was gunning a beer or, oh, or drinking or whatever. But it was just one of those moments you're like, man, that's really cool. And then just talking with him, it was it was like probably one of the coolest moments we've had in our. I could our imagine years. that, like. Having that dynamic, that happens at a lot of independent shows, but it's, I think, with KSWA, it's kind of <laughs> different in this regard because of all the kinds of different people that you have coming in. Sure. And, like, when you have a legend like that, kind of, like, mix in with the crowd and mingle with the crowd, it's not, that's one of a kind of experience you're going to sure. get. It you're not going to get that with everybody. Right. Like, you're not. You're and, not. like, and certain people run their promotions different ways, so it's just, sure. like, you, if you go somewhere else, you might get that, but you might not too. Yeah, yeah. So it's all that coming into play with that. So, um, yeah. So that and Hillbilly Jim was kind of like my urban legend of when I got into there because my buddies would always tell me, "Oh, Hillbilly Jim was here. It was amazing." Yeah. And that was like his that whole experience just seemed like, "Whoa, okay, I got <laughs> to make a note on my calendar each every yeah. year to go to this at least." Yeah. So. Uh, but, <coughs> But you guys also have the Battle Bowl. Yeah. That's like your second biggest event. Uh, can you talk about how uh, how crazy, and that's Royal Rumble-esque. Yeah. So yeah, much, yeah. talk about working in that kind of environment, Sean, where it's like uh, making those adjustments, knowing that it's a different type of match that you're not typically used to working through consistently. Well, the Battle Bowl is like a, like a big battle royal, and what you got to worry about is you always got to worry about guys coming back from behind you and eliminating you from, from, the, from the battle royal match. Sure. So you always got to be alert of what's going on in the ring during Battle Bowl. A couple years ago, it was one of the most scariest times of my wrestling career where I had my back to someone and somebody came from behind and hit one of the guys and he went right into my leg and took my knee out. Whoa. So I went down. The first thing, I had to regather myself in the middle of the match and say, okay, I didn't hear a pop. So that's one good thing. Yeah. I was worried about my ACL popping. So once I gathered myself, I grabbed the guy that you know, threw it into me and I... Uh, Gave him a little bit of receipt. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, you said it. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, the Battle Bowl is unique. It's 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 intense, mm-hmm. and the fans yeah. definitely get into it. I, I would say the fans have made Battle Bowl into what it's become. It, it you know you get that chant every year, Battle Bowl, whatever number it number is, it goes up, and, and each entering in, they're screaming, they're they're chanting that through how many ever guys are in that match and it's just they've they've elevated that battle royal into something that we we never could have imagined it it, it would have ever gotten to it's a super 
that was my first experience KSW. It was Battle I think, eight or whatever it might have been. So, like, going into that, right, baptism by fire for yeah. KSW, like, it's just like, holy shit, that's yeah. some awesome stuff. <laughs> so, well, I, you know, like I said, like, you know, it, it was the, the match is the match, but the fans yep. have made have taken just up the ante and taken that match to a whole new level. What's some of the most unexpected moments that you can remember happening throughout the KSWA? When it, yeah, something that you wouldn't have, like, hey, like, Hillbilly Jim's a great example. Yeah. Where he's just like, whoa, that, that was wild. Is there any, like, in ring moments or moments that really stand out as, like, wow, okay, didn't plan for that, but that worked really well, or that the crowd really loved that? I'll say this. Last year at FanFest, when we, when we brought, KSWA uh, brought Rock and Roll Express in, always a huge fan of Ricky and Robert. Right. I didn't think. Because of them being the Southern NWA tag team that they were, I didn't envision them of getting so much of a response from the crowd in a good way, mm-hmm. especially with the younger kids. And I guess that has a lot to do with Vince's network for them watching it. But Ricky and Robert, that place exploded when they came out. They did. You know, that Rock and Roll's King music popped on and like, bam. The, just the rock and roll chance and uh, this uh, them getting behind Ricky and Robert it, it totally surprised me you know? yeah I'll admit that well something to branch off of that too when seeing them like they're they're getting up in age but when they wrestled like they stood out oh, yeah. they knew how to work the crowd and work the match it was it was something to take note of <laughs> They, perked my ears up they, when they I saw were it. they were still really fast in the ring. Absolutely, like, and, and I think that took me. You know, you, I wasn't expecting that. They were just they, they were lightning. They were they were smooth. Yeah, and, and like you said, like working the crowd. It was just you you getting on. Even though you're on the other side of the ring, you're kind of getting on a little bit. Oh my gosh, absolutely. Yeah, that, that was a pretty cool. And thing. it still holds true. If you can't put Ricky Morton in a headlock and get booze, get out of business. Because I made sure I did it. Yeah. <laughs> Now going off of that too, what who has been some of like the the legends stars that you've worked with that really stood out to you? Like, wow, these this I've learned I'm learning on the go from these these this talent and I, this is gonna be this is a great match. I'll be honest with you, every every legend I stepped in the ring with I learned from. Because mm-hmm. if, if you if you you never stop learning and anything you Always do. Always gotta be a student. Always keep, keep your keep your mouth shut and your ears and your eyes open. Well, yeah, every, everybody I've gotten in the ring with, I learned. Sometimes they, it's just a story, too. Yeah. They could tell you a story, but you could take something away from that story. Yeah, tell for you sure. In some way, somehow. You know? Yeah. Even if it's not in the ring, you know, just learning the business and how to conduct yourself as a, as a professional. Mm-hmm. You know, you just, you just, yeah, you become a sponge at, at some point. Just keep learning. Yeah. Thank you. There's also, um, talk about, now, Sean, do you do a lot of training, too, with yeah, I took a, I took time off from doing that because I just didn't have the. Yeah, no problem. I just didn't have the what in me anymore. It takes a lot to get me training again because I need to see a guy that has some pizzazz, some some energy, and some want. Yeah. Because, you know, you always get to, like, I, I like to become a wrestler. Okay. So does everybody else in the crowd sitting around yeah. all the time, you know? Yeah, but so. if you if you show me a guy that has heart and a drive, then then I'll go out of my way and try to help him. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But, yeah, it's, I don't do it often, but when I do, it's, it's for somebody that I truly believe in. For you, yeah, I want to work with. Well, what's, um... Ex- tell me a little bit about like the training process and who you bring in, maybe Lou. What it goes with, um, what goes with having new talent, and because you guys, KSWA has shows on the regular. Like it's not just like kind of a once a month deal. Yeah. So yeah, this you guys year, go around. Yeah, this year we'll have 24 events. Holy yeah, well, December first will be 24, which is the most we've had in one year. I mean, but we're we're consistently up between 18 to 20, 22 every year for the last couple of years. So, um, you know, when it, when you you know 
as Sean said, we get a ton of inquiries all the time. Uh-huh. Um, not from just people who just want to become wrestlers for the first time, but people who want to, who've already are, are around or, you know, trying to establish themselves. So, you know, you're constantly fielding people that want to be part of the KSWA in some capacity. And it's just, you know, sometimes it's timing. <laughs> You know, if you have a full roster, you you know you got new guys that have just come on board. You just, just don't want to keep bringing guys on for the sake of bringing guys on. Sure, yeah. Uh, you know, and uh, you know, and a lot of it is them just being a good fit with the organization because that's at the end of the day, that's essential. They're a good they're a good part of the organization from you know top to bottom, from the locker room, the in ring. Yeah. You know, just the helping out whenever help is needed to promote or whatever but you know a lot it, it is we're, I would say KSWA is very selective you know when it comes to that but that's a good thing to do because in any work environment you need cohesiveness yeah. and if you don't have that cohesiveness and strong foundation and strong structure yeah. then shit goes awry yeah. so it definitely has yeah, yeah, and, e- and even guys that are already there or or established, you know, we we all fall off at some point. You just want everybody got to put in that 100% commitment all the time. Sure, yeah. That's yeah. all you ask for. That's all you ask for. That's really it. My, my favorite thing is if a guy walks up to you, I'm going to train. I'm going to be a professional wrestler. Oh, really? Yeah, I got an idea. What do I want my character to be? I got my ring music. I got my moveset. <laughs> Turn around and I walk the other way. <laughs> That goes to keep your mouth shut and your ears and eyes open. Yeah, learn on the go kind of. Thing. Yeah. What um? Now you're being managed by JJ Dillon. Yes. For Fan Fest. Yes. You've had previous management experience with JJ Dillon. Yes. Uh, talk a little bit about that, and talk a little bit about how you guys came to be in them. Uh, J.J. Dillon is one of the nicest human beings ever to walk the face of the earth. I met J.J. through Frank Durso up at the Pro Wrestling Hall of Fame, and from day one, we've been friends ever since. If I ever, if I ever need any advice or pointers, I know he's always a phone call or an email away. Uh, <laughs> I, I, I love JJ. Um, he, he's the best. Um, every time that we've worked together, it's it's magic because he he understands that I get the wrestling business. And in this day and age, you get some legendary guys who won't work with younger talent where JJ is. And I know he likes working with with Louie and I. But every time we get together. Championship gold ends up around my waist. Yeah, talk about that a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm hoping the streak continues December 1st against Nick Aldis in the NWA belt. Because we always, me and Lou were talking, like, there's nobody knows the NWA better than J.J. Dillon in that, in that world heavyweight title. So we got a game plan in, in stall for Nick Aldis. You ready for that? Hey, I'm ready. He better be ready. Yeah. So he's been, and Nick, people I'm sure have been following him. What he's been uh, at All In was a, a big standout yes. show where yeah. he lost to Cody Rhodes, but then he retained it at the NWA 70th anniversary yeah. show in Nashville at the Fairgrounds uh, in another great match with Cody. Yeah. Um, have you been watching a lot of Nick Aldis's matches and kind of like? I've gone online and, and looked at a couple of matches and got him. Mm-hmm. See, see what the guy's all about. And can't take nothing away from the man. He's he's the NWA World Heavyweight Champion. They call him the national treasure. Yeah, the national treasure. Great athletic guy. Uh, hey, when you hold that 10 pounds of gold, you're the man. It's an interesting, the NWA is very interesting in, in this today's landscape, and I kind of want to talk more about that too. How do you feel about the state of wrestling right now today? Let's go from as a whole perspective, and then we'll kind of go off into little tributaries from that. So. Well... I think the pro wrestling industry nowadays sucks. Mm-hmm. Plain and simple, I think it sucks. Because I think too many people turn on their TV on Monday and Thursday night, and too many... It's Tuesday night. Now. What is it? It's Tuesday oh, that shows you oh. how much I know. It's Tuesday <laughs> night. 
<laughs> and they want to copy what Vince McMahon does. People are looking for a whole nother avenue. They want to see different. And that's what needs to happen. That's why I'm proud to say I'm part of KSWA because we are different. Mm-hmm. We're not sports entertainment. We're a sport. Right. Pro wrestling is still a sport. Yes. No matter how much McMahon spe- uh, feeds you with a spoon, the Orwellian it's still a sport. Yeah. yeah. It's not. Yeah. It's wrestling. Not what it is. So much more money can be made in this business if they treat it as a sport. This man goes on TV and does what he does, and he said what he does about the business. And I'm not getting into that because it's not my belief. Mm-hmm. And I've had arguments with people over this. <laughs> oh, you get some passionate like fans of like the certain yeah. that certain type of wrestling words. You yeah. can't argue which way with them, or In, uh, there's no middle ground. To be well, there. I've had arguments with people who work with Vince McMahon, <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I learned to stop saying about it. <laughs> I'm sure Lou can tell you a story. <laughs> when when George when George Steele was alive, and another one of my good friends, I used to bury Vince McMahon every chance I can get, mm-hmm. and George would stop me and say, um, Sean. It's made me a lot of money. <laughs> Can we please change the co- topic of conversation? And, you know, after seven times, it finally kicked in and I stopped doing it. <laughs> what do you say? Larry doesn't. What do you say? You, you say the, the George. No, Sean. <laughs> no, Sean. Vince made me money. You don't understand, Sean. <laughs> he made a lot of money. He had to do what he had to do. I did what I had to do. He did what he had to do. So I respectfully will not say a bad word about Vince because he put Can a lot I of money in my pocket. Destroy the evidence like it never happened. <laughs> oh, oh, there's See, another one. See, you had a little collection. <laughs> oh, exhibit A, exhibit B. <laughs> yeah, here you go. Sean, respectfully, I, did, I don't agree with you. <laughs> Let's change the subject, and we'll all get along. <laughs> yeah. We'll talk about George a little bit, too. Like yeah. George Animal Steel. Because uh, he was, I mean, not only was he a great wrestling heel, obviously, but he's, he was also an agent for WWE for the time, yeah. too. Like, yeah. During the early stages of the Attitude Era. <laughs> what made George so good as an agent, and this is my opinion, I was never up there. If you did something wrong, he would correct you on it. Uh-huh. So... I know there's a lot of I hear there's a lot of ages up there that are just brown nosers yes men kind of deal yes men kind of deal George went out there to actually help the the talent from what I understand George was the agent for when uh, the curtain call happened in Madison Square Garden and and he was assigned to Triple H and after all that happened he come to the back Triple H came to the back of the garden and George was waiting for him. And George is like, what the hell did you just do? And Triple H was like, well, what are you talking about? Kevin and Scott are leaving for WCW. They can't get punished. Sean is the WWE, well, it was still WWF champion. They're not going to touch him. Who are they going to bury? Yeah. So they buried Triple H because before... Going into that next pay-per-view was the King of the Ring when Austin did his 316 deal. From what I've been told, the Triple H was supposed to be the King of the Ring, so they they killed his his that's push. That's what I heard too. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, so like, and that's the thing with George. He was always honest with everybody. Direct and straightforward. I used to get phone calls from him or emails from him saying, "Hey, I saw your match online on YouTube, or you know, I'm reading stuff you're doing. Here's what you need to do." The, the better yourself. Here's what you need to tone down a little bit. Blah, blah, blah. He's, and that's the thing. Like, a lot of wrestlers nowadays aren't open to criticism. Yeah. I am. That's the only way you get better if you're open to criticism. You Dom- gotta be malleable. Dominic yeah. Danucci, every time he's at one of our shows, he'll, he'll say, you, this was good, this was bad. Yeah. And he's flat out honest. Yeah. That's what you need. Flat out honest. And you know, uh, some people are stuck in their lanes too, where it's just like, no, I'm going to, I know what's right. And you see this, I mean, I see a lot on social media with a lot of like named personalities on there that kind of don't, they don't know where their boundaries are or where they go, like how 
saying su- stupid shit on there yeah. can affect your. Oh yeah. Especially in a in a such a micromanaged environment like the WWE or whatever yeah. it may be, or where your future might go from there. So, uh, but talk about that a little bit too. Like, you don't. I know you're on social media, but you don't have you don't frequent it too much, do you? Or when I you do. Do you? But. As far as professional wrestling and social media happens, I hate it. I absolutely do. When two guys are feuding with each other and their feud's over with, the biggest thing I hate is it was a pleasure to share the ring with you. Yeah. Oh, God, I hate that shit. It's like... It's like the Bengals and the Steelers hugging after a bad game. Or after, like, a really intense game. They're... Before the Evolution pay-per-view, you know Charlotte and Becky had that feud, pretty, pretty heated feud. Yeah. Uh, dumbass Maria Menounos posts a picture of her and Becky and Charlotte backstage, literally seconds before their match. Yeah. They're oh. smiling. They're giggling. It's just like that kills. It takes it kills so much everything away, away from really? it. Yeah. Literally, it was. She posted it because my my son's on her. And he's like. And, and it, my son who's 15 goes uh-huh. dad what's up with this and if he can figure that out why can't they exactly I people just, I think people just think for the moment and a lot for what their presence on that what personality they want to exemplify on social media sure. so they think for that alright I'm yeah. just look at I'm with Charlotte and Becky Lynch yeah. this is great but literally those guys were in a heat of few those two girls were in a heat yeah. of few for how long sure. leading up to that match yeah and then now they're taking smiley pictures with with somebody else it's just like uh, you know you're killing you're killing that you're killing the feud you're killing your rivalry there's so much too where there's certain gimmicks too that don't make sense no, on like, Twitter like a Bray Wyatt Bray Wyatt exactly or an Undertaker Undertaker they should yeah, not or Braun Strowman you yeah. think Braun yeah. Strowman he's yeah. tipping in fucking ambulances over and you expect him yeah. to be like and he's all lovey-dovey on Twitter yeah, with yeah. Whoever. it's like it's it is a very the believability of their character is lost in social media now. For sure, very much. So, yeah. Yeah. Now, what <laughs> what kind of positive aspects do you see about today's wrestling that come like that? Maybe isn't necessarily like, to me like what Cody and those guys have done uh-huh. to make like, money outside of New York. Yeah, that that has brought wrestling kind of back to a point. Like yeah, what the, the growth of New Japan, the growth of Ring of Honor. I mean, I, I think that. Like I'll do uh, a middle like. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, I think the growth of like the all what what the All In Show did, and and the growth of you know the NWA coming, trying you know building back some of the some credibility some and notability. Credibility, yeah. yeah, I mean, for years the NWA was a second thought. Mm-hmm. You know, now it's it, it's rebuilding some of the legacy, you know, trying to build, rebuild that legacy back. Right. You know, All In like that was. I was a non-affiliated WWE event that drew great, you know. And could have drew more. Too. Yeah, yeah, you're right. Thought ahead of you know, the whole Bullet Club thing. It, it, that that's that reminded <laughs> me a lot of that Attitude Era ish. Yeah. You know where you would walk to Walmart and see a rack of wrestling T-shirts where you never seen that before. Yeah. You know. Okay, now you walk into a Hot Topic and it's just rows and rows of Bullet. All right, you know, it kind of brought you back to that that time. Where hey, wrestling is now mainstream again. You know, you, you know, nothing, nothing to interrupt you. You know, another good thing about the NWA, which I love. I'm a huge historian. When they have big events, they bring back old NWA world champions. Yeah, yes. for their events. Like I, I've seen Dory Funk. Mm-hmm. Animal. They're all former NWA champions in one form or another. And I think that's where. That's where Vince messes up because he can do that because he basically has every, almost everybody in their legends contracts. Sure. Bring them in for an appearance, like throw them a bone, to, to put them on camera. So the history of this wrestling business is, is up there with Major League Baseball, NFL, NBA, NHL because the sacrifices that these guys made over the years to, to build a sport, good lord. It. it and their faces too that aren't covered up by face masks or like yeah. uniforms. Yeah. Yeah. They're their own person. Yeah. So like having that come through and those legends that 
that Vince brings in to, to a point in time, whether it's like a Mick Foley or Kurt Angle or uh, name anybody, like even, yeah, like a Ric Flair even, you see, you want to see them as their legendary status and who they are, but so many times they're belittled on television or they're made to play the foil. Right. Where there can be a balance of that where it builds to another star, but there's also not that aspect where it's just, what was the point of that? Yeah. yeah. Nobody benefits from that whatsoever. Like, I think even like that, they just recently did with Kurt Angle and that Drew McIntyre. You could put anybody, any guy in that spot, and Drew McIntyre still would have got the rub. Right. And it, but it, but it, to me, it took a little bit away from Kurt Angle's legacy. Yeah. It made him look very weak. Very weak. Very weak. Mm-hmm. You know, and I get it. You're build, You're trying to build the star and put him over on a legend guy, you know, type guy. But like, I think There's you could have did that way with, to and, go yeah, about it too. It just it, it it made Kurt Angle look very weak to me, in my yeah. opinion. They, it, it wasn't even like con, like it wasn't even a good ma- like a contest. Like Drew McIntyre was so. A, Head, in, head above Kurt Angle in that match where, you know, it kind of ruined, you know. Yeah. It's like, why is Kurt Angle even around to see an old legend hanging on? Right. He's washed up. Washed he's, up. You yeah. have that vibe of it. You'd, you'd rather put him in a spot where you're, he's going to flourish sure. as opposed to, or he could put that guy over, but in a, in a different way. Absolutely. Still make him look strong, but then make the other guy look strong. Yeah. They yeah. make Kurt Angle look very weak in that scenario to me. Anyway. And Drew McIntyre already has that badass cachet yeah he doesn't he, he's gonna be the next big thing for them I, I think I yeah. think you I know think so and, and, but you know what Kurt if he wanted to could rip his arm out of his socket very true to. very true but it just made like the that legacy to me of Kurt Angle look a little weak yeah you know kind of yeah it, it does affect it yeah and to go back to like what Cody and the Young Bucks are kind of doing, that whole aspect of like the wrestling outlaw is there. Yeah. Where it's, uh, you don't get that in WWE a lot of times because so many, so often not, baby faces and heels alike play subservient to the heel authority figure. Yeah. In, in that, where Cody and the Young Bucks, they don't have anybody to answer to but themselves. Yeah. That's it. Yeah. And that's what fans want to see. Is and those like, guys made a lot of money in the last couple of years. That that's why they're working hard because that's their money. Yeah. And that's their. And look at the reputation that's built for Cody yeah. from leaving as Stardust to going, all right, I got to make my own way. On the top of, he's at the top of the game. At the top of the top game. Of the game. Yeah. Number one, even when he's hurt. Yeah. It's I, just. I, th- I think you look at top of the game he's he's number one right now sure he's, and and that's just all from him work hard work of him putting him in that spot that's all it takes is rolling up the sleeves and proving yeah. that you belong like, like i'm not a huge ring of honor fan like the, the style of wrestling i'm just not a huge ring of honor style like you mm-hmm. know like it you know, when a guy gets hit with a Mack truck, he shouldn't get up and get hit with two more Mack trucks. Yeah. Before yeah. he finally goes down for the fourth one. Yes. You know, that's just not my type of style. Yeah. But it, a lot of people love it. Mm-hmm. But the money those guys are making and what they've done for the business in the last couple of years, There's you can't, also you can't deny it. Understanding and middle ground, too, where, like, a lot of talent do go by that route but somebody like yeah. like the Young Bucks like kind of into that role yeah. where they're super talented super athletic but there's also Cody Rhodes that has that balance of like oh I'm more of a purist of how this stuff works. Sure. but they still find this common ground of understanding yeah. that hey we can work together still oh, yeah. and it can still yeah. all work out oh yeah, yeah. They, it's, it's, it, they've, they've turned it into a good mix of themselves and then just the affiliation with New Japan and then the sure. elevation of how New, New Japan has just risen these past couple years and, you know then you sprinkle in a guy of that old ilk of Jericho kind of coming right. into play renaissance yeah. making yeah. himself yeah. his own renaissance and multiple he's, times over and yeah over. and he's redone himself yeah like how many times could Jericho re, reinvigorate his career in a different type of persona yeah and it's just yeah it's amazing like you know he don't have to do full time because no. he could just come back and reinvent himself like he can go back with Vince Next week, if he wants to, and still, yeah. and still be just as over as he is in New Japan. Absolutely, that's just the type of, of person he is, and like that's a guy who understands the business. So, hey, I can go here. He can go to Impact. He can go to New Japan. He can go to Vince. Yeah, and he's going to be over with a different type of character in every one. Every and he'll, yeah, and then each one will have its own kind of fascinating. Yeah, aspect you're right. You know, like the whole like goth like type thing right, is going yeah. on. Now. Totally, like, way out of that realm of what we're used to Yeah, different departure from what he's ever done, but it works. Yeah, for sure. And that's a guy who just gets it. Mm -hmm. You know? 
So, Sean, yeah. is there any way you want to close out how you want to talk about your big match on December 1st with at Spirit Hall against the NWA MOA champion, Nick Aldis? Well, that match will probably be one of the biggest matches, if not the biggest match in my career. It's always been a dream since 1981 to win that belt. And on December 1st, he's, Nick Aldis is going to know he's going to wrestle a match with Sean Blanchard. And after I win that belt... I'm going to make Alex Ovechkin's celebration look like child's play because I'm going to take that NW belt on tour throughout the whole Pittsburgh. It's going to be a drink fest. <laughs> a parade in itself going on. Yeah, I'm going to, have a, I'm going to run down Butler Street with the belt. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> with how many beers are in you? Well, I'll have, a, I'll have Louis Drive. I'll, I'll sit outside the car. We'll get a hatchback. Yeah, I'll Luber that day. Luber. Luber. <laughs> yeah, Luber it. <laughs> <laughs> Uber motorcade going on. <laughs> but anyway, we're going to have fun. We're going to entertain the crowd. And I'll be ready to go. A dream will come true. It's going to be certainly exciting. Just that whole uh, dynamic of Fan Fest is great. Because you guys do like a charity too. Yeah. Uh, you want to go on that? Yeah, we, we do a big uh, toy drive every year for all the toys go to uh, underprivileged children in the, in the local area. Um, so we probably raised in 10 years almost 8,500 toys, I would say. So, you know, KSWA is not just about being a wrestling promotion. We want to be part of the community as well. And that's one of the ways we do it by the, doing this toy drive. We have a, a kick-ass Chinese auction, prizes given away all night. You know, you have guys like Nick Aldis and Sam Adonis and J.J. Dillon there as part of the event. So it, it's... It, it's kind of the creme de la creme of our, our our whole year. It's a way for us to say thanks to all of our fans for their support throughout the year. You know, we just uh, we kind of get the holiday season kicked off with a bang. It absolutely does. And yeah. Let me say, too, from experience that it's it's something that is very communal for Pittsburgh. Cause like, and I think a lot of, I'm sure a lot of cities have that kind of aspect, but it's something cities shouldn't take for granted either because it's a unique experience that's kind of one of a kind and that doesn't, that kind of comes to this place of understanding and like, hey, whatever your viewpoint is on life, society, whatever it may be, you can still enjoy some wrestling, you know? You know, I'll say this, an old-time wrestler once told this to me, when fans come to a wrestling event and they pay their $10, it's a way for them to reality, pay your $10 or pay whatever the ticket price is, sit down, enjoy yourself, and have fun and escape reality. Cheer who you want, boo who you want, buy popcorn, buy beer, buy pop, just come and experience it because there's nothing like it. Too many people think, put too much into it. Relax. Right. Have fun. It's just wrestling, but it's also, wrestling is a simple concept. It is. And there's... People should take it seriously to an extent, but also there's there's a lot of there's an entertainment aspect. So but. people always say like, oh, that, that that good versus bad shit don't work anymore. Well, I've been making money 20 years in a row. You know, All the trash you yeah. talk on, whether it's Facebook or to people in general. Alou, you did something really controversial in the last last event. It's hey, you get people talking. You, you got. You want to see your, some people's ass get kicked. At the end of the day, it's good versus bad. It's that's what it, it is. It's, it's good versus evil. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's a story as old as time. Yeah. Everybody. Right. Right. Yeah. It's a simple formula. There's no gray areas. I mean, there can be, but if you do gray areas, do them right. Yeah. You know, yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean. At the end of the day, it's good versus evil. It's good exactly. versus evil. Right. Plain and simple. Mm-hmm. Well, thanks guys for your time. I'm looking forward to December first and uh, Spirit Hall. In Lawrenceville, Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, come on down. Uh, tickets are still available. You go go to the door, right? Yeah, they're the available to the door. Twenty dollars $20 front row, ten dollars adult GA, eight dollar kid GA. Bring a new unwrapped toy for underprivileged kids in the area. Come have a good time. NWA title parade to be announced. <laughs> <laughs> so there we go, everybody. Yep, look forward to it. Again, this is Dominic from WrestleZone.com. Thanks for listening, and then stay tuned for more updates. Uh, on WrestleZone.com, and not only NWA, but all wrestling in general. So, thanks for listening.